Hello, Vetfolio Voice folks. Welcome to this extra special episode featuring my partner in crime, Thursday companion, lifesaver when it comes to all things emergency medicine and surgery, and as we'll learn, acupuncture extraordinaire, Dr. Sarah Smith. This episode was inspired by a case that we co-managed involving a dog with Addison's disease and an intestinal obstruction. We worked together through all the things you'd think of medically and surgically, and at the end, I saw Dr. Smith reach for acupuncture needles. I thought to myself, you know, this is a really critical patient, and acupuncture was just not something that came to mind in managing her, so naturally, I had to know more. Turns out there are multiple applications for acupuncture in emergent and critical patients and, as we'll learn, some other scenarios I hadn't thought of, which was all news to me, so we figured we'd share our thoughts with you. Dr. Smith spent 13 years in emergency veterinary medicine before making the switch to small animal general practice. Dr. Smith taught as a clinical ER instructor at Colorado State University and has worked as an ER doctor in private practice specialty hospitals in multiple areas of the country. In 2011, she completed certification in medical acupuncture for veterinarians and has enjoyed utilizing acupuncture as an additional tool for treatment of her patients. Her special interests are pain management, toxicities, trauma, and soft tissue surgery, and I can tell you firsthand, she is excellent at all of those. And now, let's get into our episode. Sarah, thanks for being here today. Thanks, Cassie. Thanks for having me. So happy to have you. So kind of as we learned from your bio here in the intro, you have a background in emergency medicine. And, you know, I I don't know if it's just me, but when I thought about ER and acupuncture, those didn't seem like two things that like organically kind of went hand in hand, but you always knew you wanted to do ER. So where did acupuncture come into play for you? Good question. You're right. I going into ER, I didn't necessarily picture also becoming certified in acupuncture. I have a short attention span. I like to fix problems quickly and I'm very Western medicine minded. And then I worked at an emergency room that was local in town where I went to vet school and I worked there through vet school and was fortunate to have one of the ER doctors was also an anesthesiologist, Dr. Bonnie Wright. And she started doing acupuncture on some of the patients that were there. And as the technician who provided some of the nursing care, seeing the difference in their pain, seeing some back dogs improve, I was just blown away. It's not something I would have expected. And so I really just wanted an extra tool in my toolbox to help for those things. Do you feel like you got an idea with watching these critters recover of kind of like the ones who got acupuncture and the ones who didn't, or was it more just really being impressed with the animals who did get acupuncture? Good question. It it really was more at that point, just seeing a patient that was really painful, suddenly relax and be calm in their kennel after just adding acupuncture to what we were already doing. And you kind of have a cool story about an experience with that, that you had in vet school. Yeah. you know, this made me take the acupuncture course while I was a senior vet student. And at the time I was going through the course, you know, just learning the points, learning how to, how to do acupuncture. And my roommate at the time had her dog really horribly attacked. 
And he was the sweetest chow chow you would ever meet. I still just have a hard time wrapping my head around like the chow chow was the victim in this horrible dog attack. Poor thing. He really was. And he was an old man and he got torn up and he was in a lot of pain. And so we had him on a lot of pain medications, a fentanyl patch. And then he just did not want to eat. Like after this incident, he hadn't eaten in several days. He was still painful. And then I suddenly realized, oh, I'm taking this course. Let's, let's try it. And my roommate was on board now also a veterinarian. And we treated some points that I had learned can stimulate appetite, can help the parasympathetic nervous system kind of rest and digest. We definitely get good GI motility with acupuncture. So just put in some of those points And I'll never forget watching him just stand up and go walk to his bowl right after I had done this. Oh, it blew me away and was far beyond what I expected. Hugely rewarding results. Definitely. And immediate results. Oh, yeah. So it fit right in with what I need from ER. There you go. (laughs) That makes sense. Um, So fast forward a number of years of which we will not specify that number, what that is. But, uh, you know, to actually just several weeks ago where we were managing a case together, this was, this was such an ironic situation because it was the day after I had spoken with Dr. Patty Lathan about Addison's disease. And then one of our Addisonian patients showed up in the lobby, just lateral. Unfortunately, it was not an Addisonian crisis. Unfortunately, it was a foreign body back to the fortunate side of things, I didn't have to cut it because I had my wonderful colleague here, Dr. Smith. So between the two of us, we got this dog stabilized and got the foreign body removed. And during recovery, I saw you pull out acupuncture needles and do probably some of these similar points that you used on your roommate's dog in vet school to stimulate GI motility. And that was what got the wheels turning for this podcast of, wait a second, that's not a situation, you know, a a lateral critical Addisonian who needed foreign body surgery is not an area I ever would have considered acupuncture to be a modality that we would use there. So I was, that, that got me really interested. So tell us a little bit about what you were trying to accomplish with, with her. I think a lot of people wouldn't think of that. Honestly, even I forget to use acupuncture (laughs) um, until sometimes I'm reminded by someone. (laughs) But in this case, I mean, we were really struggling. This, this dog, when she came in, had a huge fluid distended stomach. She'd had a small intestinal obstruction and a bunch of foreign material in her stomach. And I think from her signs, they'd probably been there for about four days. And, you know, her gut hadn't been moving. It was so dilated when I got in there. And this dog had to be on steroids because we're Addisonian. So it's that struggle of trying to get gut motility and we're limited in some medications we can use. And I didn't think of it right away, but I think something you said actually sparked me to say, (laughs) huh, you know, let's just stick in a few GI motility points and see what we can do for this dog. And, you know, I can't say if it's the acupuncture that made her get better and start eating, but it was an extra tool that we had with everything else we did to help. 
Absolutely. And I think you were addressing pain a little bit with some of those, which of course would slow down GI motility, but also just thinking about foreign bodies in general and them recovering from surgery and, and managing their pain because you know, obviously in this dog, we couldn't reach for non-steroidals because she had to be on steroids. But I mean, most of the time with GI surgery, we're not reaching for non-steroidals. So to give us that little bit of extra for pain management, I think makes sense as well. Like, kind of like your roommate's dog in, in vet school. Absolutely right. I mean, the tough part is we want to manage pain. Pain itself slows the gut. But when we're using a lot of opioids, those slow the gut too. And any GI surgery, I really don't like to use NSAIDs. So trying to stretch and use those other tools we have, like, like acupuncture, it's basically using their own body to try to help control pain and inflammation. So we're stimulating their nerves to help release endorphins, release encephalins, basically do their own pain management. Which, you know, we've talked about this before is usually going to have, you know, good outcomes with fewer side effects. So, you know, the more we can lean on stuff like that, the better. Definitely. Can you talk about some other cases, particularly emergent or critical cases where you feel like acupuncture would be appropriate? Yeah. I mean, I think we did just cover a lot of the GI motility stuff, but that can be useful in other things besides surgery or injury, you know, in our kidney patients, potentially um, stimulating appetite. We also have cancer patients that maybe don't want to eat as well. And a lot of owners of our cancer patients want to add in whatever they can to help make their pets feel better. But we also have you know, our back injuries, that's kind of the standard. A lot of people think of with acupuncture Sure. and I do as well. You know, we can basically stimulate above and below the injury to the spinal cord and try to help strengthen those pathways as well as relieve pain. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's incredible what you can do. If you add in a little bit of electrical stimulation to acupuncture, like at a high frequency, it can actually help aid in anesthesia. So there's a lot more we could do than I even remember to do myself sometimes. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think some of the other stuff that, you know, you and I have talked about as far as using acupuncture, you know, we've talked about like, you know, stress and anxiety coming into the clinic or, or, you know, God forbid having to like stay in the clinic for the day if they're stressed out and helping with some of that stuff. Oh, definitely. I, I remember one technician's cat that I treated that that cat absolutely hated coming to the vet and was fairly vicious. Um, and, <laughs> and, uh, she used to pop up with little masses all the time that had to be removed. She needed multiple procedures. Oh my goodness. I can't even remember what I started treating her for. It was probably osteoarthritis or something similar, but I'd have to like dart her from across the room almost <laughs> and like run away. I started with like four needles the first time. And over time it got to where this cat no longer complained coming to the vet would get in the carrier. The next time they had to remove a mass, they actually didn't need sedation. Like they had in the past, very heavy handed needed. Huh. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was incredible to me to watch this difference in just knowing that the cat was going to be more calm and happy because we'd experienced acupuncture at the clinic. That's that's interesting. And thinking about that, handling stress at the clinic would probably translate into stress at home as well. Yeah. It, you know, I think something that is probably underutilized is even using a couple of these calming kind of stress relief points for home euthanasias. 
Sure. If we're going into someone's home and want a really low stress experience, potentially just placing a couple quick acupuncture points can help calm those pets. And I mean, with home euthanasia becoming, you know, kind of a bigger and bigger thing, I think, you know, having done many home euthanasias myself. And it's a lot of pressure when you go into somebody's home. I mean, it's a lot of pressure anytime we do a euthanasia, but when you go into somebody's home and, you know, they have you there specifically because they want this to be as peaceful an experience as possible. I think, you know, kind of like you talked about tools in the toolbox, anything that we can use to make that a better experience for everybody involved is going to be, you know, is we want to know about it. We want to utilize it. Absolutely. And, you know, neurologic diseases besides back problems, which is most commonly what I jump to, there's also head injuries where I've seen it make a big difference. Vestibular disease dogs, sometimes even just dealing with the muscle tension bands and trigger points that can develop from them holding their head in such a tilt. And, you know, there's one case I remember this cool little cat named Kamikaze. They called they called her Kazi for short. Was brought into the ER, one of my most critical patients that I can remember. She was arresting as the owner carried her in. He was torn up and full blood, barefoot. He had grabbed her from the mouth of a coyote oh that gosh. was running off with her and like drove so fast to the clinic. Sweetest owner. And this pet, we were luckily able to get back without even fully coding, just, you know, got a catheter in, slammed atropine and epi, cat never fully lost a heartbeat. And she was recovering pretty well, except neurologically. She had pretty severe head trauma. She was grabbed on the skull and neck by the coyote and probably picked up and shaken a bit. Poor thing. Um, So she was not recovering her appetite quickly. She had a very severe head tilt, still unable to stand. And I mentioned to her owner, the possibility of adding an acupuncture. And what makes this one of my favorite cases in a way is how much he absolutely laughed and said, acupuncture is ridiculous. Like (laughs) he thinks that's crazy, but since I saved his cat, he'll listen to me some more. (laughs) I love it. And like, let me try it. And nicest guy, but like very computer science was his career, very like technical oriented, wanted evidence. And he watched me treat his cat with three sessions and felt she improved so dramatically. He said he was completely changed in his thoughts about acupuncture. And he actually sent us this really wonderful thank you video of her walking around and like trying to leap in trees again. (laughs) Oh my goodness. What a rewarding case. That was great. So along those lines, talking about, you know, kind of this people doing it and believing it and stick with me here. I'm going somewhere with this, but (laughs) Also thinking about like the business side of veterinary medicine, because we don't always want to think about the business side, but the reality is, you know, we want to have good equipment. We want to have adequate staffing. We want to pay our staff members appropriately. So, you know, adding acupuncture to our practice is kind of another medical option that we can offer to our patients, but also another revenue stream for the practice. So can you kind of expand a little bit on the business side of acupuncture? You know, I'm not usually one to think a lot about the business, but I loved this extra tool. And my first uh, job outside of vet school was in my internship in Southern California. And I was very gung-ho and excited to add acupuncture where I could. 
and their neurologist there, I remember kind of laughing about it and, you know, they were trying to be nice, but <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> but there was a lot of skepticism. Um, and they did have a rehab department. So they said, sure, if the rehab people want to use some acupuncture, you can help. Well, over time, I was there a year. And over time, they started sending me more and more cases. <laughs> <laughs> and I got busy enough to where when I left, the rehab practitioner actually went to take the same course I had taken and flew out to Colorado and uh, ended up certified in acupuncture as well. So in my mind, that kind of cemented, you know, to that practice, having acupuncture was a valuable modality enough that they had someone else get trained when I left. Yeah. And I think the clients really enjoyed having that option for their pets. Well, it probably gives a really good client veterinarian patient, you know, VCPR, so to speak, but probably just a really good relationship there because you're seeing each other on a regular basis and it's not for this big stressful thing. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. It's this very calming and, you know, and pleasant visit where you really get to follow up closely on your patient and know how they're doing at home. You know, the client and the patient get the benefit of this kind of everybody wins. For sure. It, you know, I didn't think I would love having that bond again, being an ER doctor, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it turns out I loved getting to see those patients back and seeing their improvement and hearing from their families. One of the cases at the practice where I worked outside of Portland, Oregon, I really just treated in hospital for GI disease. Again, I think it was a bad HGE in an older pet. She was like 16, larger dog. But she also had really severe back pain. I treated a lot based on my myofascial exam of where she was uncomfortable, as well as the GI points. And her family was so impressed with how much more comfortable she seemed than even before she'd had to come to the ER. Sure that they wanted to keep seeing me. And I had several other cases like this in Portland too, where, you know, I really was just scheduled as an ER doctor, but I would have people come back to me, (laughs) you know, multiple times a week to have me keep acupuncturing their pets in between my emergencies. (laughs) And that happened to the point where they did end up hiring someone who was certified in acupuncture and did more general practice to do like an urgent care hours and schedule acupuncture appointments. Goodness gracious. And that goes back to like that business aspect of it, of having that, you know, we talked about all of the, the human animal bond type of benefits there, but then also benefits to the practice. Like it was, you know, people loved it so much that it created this whole new, you know, source of revenue for the practice as well. So practice health and, you know, the health and well-being of our patients and our clients. Absolutely. And that dog, Sophie, that parents kept coming back to me, they were amazed. They could pet their dogs back because they said pretty much as long as they had had her, she wouldn't let people touch her back. Oh, these are such rewarding cases. They They really are. I love it. So a lot of this with what you've talked about, kind of the neurologists who are sending you more cases and, you know, in the ER saying, no, that's ridiculous, but then coming back and doing it some more, it sounds like there's a lot of seeing is believing here and people seeing the results is, is kind of creating that buy-in, you know, but of course we're veterinarians. We want to know about the science. So what does the science tell us about acupuncture? You know, obviously as a very Western trained veterinarian, I care a lot about science and we have the same problem in veterinary studies with 
many things that a lot of the time sample sizes are too small. No study is perfect. With acupuncture, there's some studies that absolutely make it sound miraculous. Uh, one with IVDD and that electroacupuncture actually could do better than surgery in very select cases, <laughs> greater than 48 hours out, whatnot. Um, but there's also studies that make it look like even for osteoarthritis, acupuncture didn't do better than what's called sham points. If they put in a different point than what the actual acupuncture point is. And I think some of that is because there is so much variability and so many factors in acupuncture as a treatment. The way I was trained in it, you know, we're really stimulating muscles and nerves and the myofascial systems and, you know, a sham point placed a little away from where a real published acupuncture point is might not actually be that different than what the main point is. So if they see a similar effect in both groups, yeah, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me a ton. So what if they instead changed it and they didn't do a sham point and they did no point? Absolutely. Some studies look at those things too, but then you have all the factors of the interactions with the pet and, you know, touching them and their response to just being with a person for that amount of time too. So it's got a lot of factors in every study. Human medicine is doing more and more research there because of the opioid crisis. And a lot of insurance companies are reimbursing for acupuncture now. The army is using a lot of acupuncture huh. as one of their modalities, especially for pain management. Uh, their pilots can fly if they've had acupuncture, whereas they can't if they've taken certain pain medications. Sure. So it, there's a lot that is still coming out but it's not like a drug or saline type of trial. Exactly. There's nothing completely straightforward about studying acupuncture in good controlled clinical trials. Absolutely. So circling around back to our poor little Addisonian pup here, she had a lot of cards stacked against her. I mean, she, she was Addisonian, which that in and of itself isn't the worst thing in the world, you know, especially considering it was managed, but you know, she did have really extensive GI surgery and had to be maintained on steroids post-operatively, which of course can interfere with healing and, you know, are not ideal. So it sounds like acupuncture was just kind of you know, we still did all the things for her. We still stabilized her and, you know, took her to surgery and we still did, you know, everything that you would think to do. And then we added an acupuncture as this next adjunctive treatment, just something else that we could offer in this dog who had so much going against her. Like maybe we could help flip the tables a little bit for her there. Yeah. I, and that's how I like to use acupuncture. You know, it's this extra tool and it doesn't mean that I'm not doing other medications, but I can really help my patients. So it sounds like with this dog, this was just kind of one more thing that we could offer to kind of push things in a positive direction when she had so many negatives stacked against her. Absolutely. And, you know, I view acupuncture as one of those things that could help and is very unlikely to cause harm if done by someone trained. And you know, I like having things that support our first do no harm. Absolutely. I mean, if it can, if we're not going to make things worse, 
and we can only help, then, you know, even if these studies are complicated and you were not totally sure where, you know, everything stands with this, then why not give them one more thing to help push them in the right direction? Exactly. And we're using their own bodies to help them heal or to help them alleviate pain. And I love being able to, to use acupuncture to help them. Absolutely. So kind of wrapping up here, what is one thing that you want everyone to know about acupuncture, whether they're certified or not, believe in it or not, what's one thing you want everybody to know about acupuncture? Well, in talking about emergency use of acupuncture, one of the things that really I think everyone can do is learn the resuscitation point. And truthfully, you know, this is not taking the place of all of your normal responses to an animal that's not breathing, but you know, little C-section puppies or an animal that's not getting off the ventilator, you can stimulate a spot called GV26, but it is right at the base of their nose. And if you look at the little line that comes down a nose and put a needle in right at the base where it meets the lip, push a needle in, twist it back and forth. It doesn't even have to be an acupuncture needle. It could be a 25 gauge hypodermic needle if that's what you've got. But that can do a a good job of stimulating the sympathetic nervous system (laughs) and hopefully get them taking a breath. That would definitely stimulate my sympathetic nervous system if somebody shoved a needle in my nose. Absolutely. I don't recommend that for awake dogs that are breathing and maybe trying to bite you. There we go. There we go. (laughs) Absolutely. And I will say, you know, on that, on that point, you know, I have a background before I went to vet school in anesthesia. I worked for the anesthesia department and that was one of the first things they taught us is, you know, obviously, like you said, take all of your appropriate responses. Acupuncture is not there to replace any of the other things that we're doing, but you know, once we've kind of done all the things to help stimulate respirations, that was one of the first things they taught us. And they just taught us to do it like with our fingernail or something, just kind of push right there. And sure enough, like when I did it, I was like, gosh, that would make me breathe. (laughs) It doesn't seem super pleasant, but they are anesthetized. And then same thing, uh, you know, we would, we would work with the emergency department in the ICU and, when we would have something come in who, you know, respiratory depression, respiratory arrest or something like that, a lot of times one of our integrative docs would show up and, and put a needle right there. So I've seen it used. I've been taught to use it many times and, and I've pretty good success with it. We did it the other day, resuscitating puppies together. We did. We did. <laughs> absolutely. And we had a lot of success with it. Yeah. Well, Sarah, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for just kind of shedding a new light on acupuncture. Ever since we saw that case, like I said, it was just not a situation where I ever would have pictured acupuncture being a useful modality. And I think this talk has really kind of opened my eyes to all of the all of the benefits that acupuncture has to offer. So hopefully our audience feels the same way and a lot more of us are going to get acupuncture certified. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I hope you guys had as much fun as I did in that episode. Thank you so much, Dr. Smith, for joining me. It was a blast recording with you. And if you guys enjoyed that episode, be sure to check out our Integrative Medicine Summit on vetfolio.com. For more episodes like this, click on the Education tab on vetfolio.com. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this episode, as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day.